0: You're listening to the Bethel Community Church Podcast. Our podcast normally showcases our weekly sermons here in Chicago at 7601 West Foster. Now, podcasts are great, but they do not replace the care and community you receive from the local church or from your local pastor. So we encourage you to come join our community or contact us to help you find a community in your area. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you listen. Enjoy. To repent as we've seen Jesus has been teaching them equipping them preparing them for this we even saw that back in verse 1 where his disciples followed him they're going with him everywhere that he's going and so as a church we likewise want to make sure that you are prepared to share the gospel with others to proclaim the good news of Jesus and so look for it this fall we're working on what we're calling Bethel equip it's going to be a way for us to be able to help you to know what you believe, why you believe, and to be able then to tell others the good news of Jesus. Well, notice Jesus sends them out two by two, and he, he does so probably to so that they can encourage and spur one another on, hold each other accountable. But even more than that, according to Deuteronomy... when you had two witnesses, it it would confirm a matter. And so that's probably at least part of the reason why Jesus is sending them out this way. Tells them what they're to take, what they're not to take. Tells them that they're only supposed to, that, that wherever they go, they're to stay in the place where they're first received. They're to be content. Why? Because this is the provision of God. They're to rely on God and God is going to meet their needs. And yet Jesus, notice, is very realistic, verse 11. There may be places that as they rejected Jesus, so they would reject his followers. And as they did so, they were to leave that town, they were to shake the dust off their feet because it was going to be a testimony against them for the day of judgment that they had the good news of Jesus proclaimed to them and they rejected it. As we walk through this, it's important to see that there's some principles for us today as well for ministry. You see, just like the apostles didn't serve in their own authority, neither do we. We serve in the authority of Jesus, the one who in Matthew 28 tells us he has all authority in heaven and on earth. We go out to proclaim the good news in his authority. Just last week, Pastor Solomon preached. But as we do this, it can become discouraging. It can be disheartening because just as the disciples and Jesus were rejected by some, so we're going to find that there are going to be various responses to the gospel. And this is why we need one another as Jesus sent them out two by two. So we likewise need each other. We need each other to encourage each other. We need one another to hold each other accountable. We need one another to be there. Do you know the unity of the church is one of the greatest ways that we show the world that Jesus is the Messiah. It's part of our testimony. And so we need one another for this ministry that Christ has called us to. And some will reject what we say, but we can still live on mission amid the rejection. But there won't only be rejection. You're probably going to find that some will be hostile. That's what we see in verses 14 to 29. We read King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he's Elijah, and others said he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Heard him gladly. But an opportunity came. When Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, The girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. I see our second truth is that you can live on mission amid opposition. I believe when Mark tells us in verse 14 that King Herod hears about Jesus, it's because the disciples have been out proclaiming the good news of Jesus. I believe Mark's wanting us to make that connection from the previous passage. But if you notice, there's still a lot of confusion, even with Herod. It's possible that Herod, you know, is superstitious, thinking, oh, no, John's back from the dead to get me. It's also possible he's just thinking, I just got rid of one of these guys, and now there's another one, and he's proclaiming the same kind of message. How many of these guys are there going to be that I'm going to have to deal with? And he fears Jesus. He feared the truth, and John had been speaking the truth to him. He had told him it was not lawful for him to have his brother's wife because his brother was still living, and that was against the Old Testament law. You see, there was only one way that a man could take his brother's wife. It was known as leveret marriage. And the purpose of that was to perpetuate the name of the brother who was deceased. According to Leviticus 20 verse 21, if a man takes his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness and they shall be childless. So John is calling Herod in all of his power to repent. But of course Herodias has this grudge against him. She wants to see him dead. So she uses this opportunity and really, you know, we could get into this. So this is probably some form of child abuse here. But they get what they want. In a grotesque matter at this banquet, John's head is brought on a platter as if it's the main course. Like John, the disciples were out calling people to repent. That's what we're called Two as well is to go to the world with the good news of Jesus. Call them to repent and be reconciled to God. Even those who are in authority in the government. You see, the kingdom of God confronts and is the greatest threat to those in power because it says nobody anywhere gets away with it. Makes clear that God is going to hold everybody responsible for how we live and how we govern, how we do whatever God has called us to do. Now, proclaiming this may be costly. Like John, it may cost you your head. And yet, Jesus told us this. Matthew 10, when he's sending the disciples out on mission, what does he tell them? I'm sending you out as wolves or sheep among wolves. And so you need to be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, certainly Jesus gives us some protection with, just with each other. That's why it's so important that we gather together. That's why it's so important that we're in a group and that we're in relationship with other believers who are going to be there with us. This is why it's important for churches to have elders. Elders are shepherding the flock. Our job is to feed and lead and protect the flock. But ultimately, our lives are in the hands of the good shepherd of the sheep. And if Christians around the world face persecution, brothers and sisters, we here in America should expect no different. Herod Antipas was an unrighteous man. He was an anti-shepherd, really. He was one in the long line of wicked leaders in Israel that slaughtered God's spokesmen like John. He's one of those whom God warned about in Ezekiel 34 where God made clear that they were, rather than feeding God's sheep, they were slaughtering and feasting on God's sheep as we see with Herod here. So God said in Ezekiel 34 verses 5 and 6, his sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts like Herod. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. That leads us to what Jesus says verses 30 through 44. There we read the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This brings us to our third principle, is that you can live on mission only by relying on Jesus. Jesus and the disciples here really give us really a healthy picture here of how we ought to live on ministry. You know, after some kind of big ministry, whether it be like a WANA or a community group or, or whatever it might be, It's good to take some time to rest. It's good to step back and to debrief and to evaluate things. It's good to have these sort of healthy rhythms to our life rather than just going, going, going till you can't go anymore. Well, Jesus and his disciples go out. They're going to a wilderness place trying to get away from the people, but they just can't get away. And isn't this how ministry often happens? In inconvenient times and in inconvenient ways. And so often, we who are ministering, we've got to adapt ourselves. We've got to make changes to care for the needs of those who are around us. I don't know about you, but if I were Jesus and all these people showed up, I probably would have gotten angry at them and said, we're trying to get some rest. Go. But he doesn't. Jesus had compassion on them. He saw them as they really are. He saw them as God saw them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Mark here is echoing Numbers 27, verse 17, which God had told Moses that Moses was going to die in the wilderness because of his disobedience. And so Moses asks the Lord, okay, Lord, then who is going to lead your people in? Moses asks God, who shall go out before them and come in before them? Who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd? God's answer is Joshua. See, Moses was a shepherd of God's people and Joshua was a shepherd. Mark is showing us Jesus is in that line of shepherds. He is a new and better Moses and Joshua. Just as Moses taught the people in the wilderness, so Jesus is out there teaching the people in the wilderness. As God, through Moses, fed the people in the wilderness with manna, so Jesus is out miraculously feeding 5,000 men plus, as Matthew adds, women and children in the wilderness, It's Jesus who is going to lead us in to our inheritance. He is the true shepherd king of God's people in the line of David, who was the shepherd king. As God promised in Ezekiel 34 verse 23, he was going to send a new David. He says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. That was given 600 years before Jesus is out there feeding the people. But even before that, in Ezekiel 34, God promised someone even greater than David or Moses or Joshua. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, And will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I'll feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Did you hear who's coming to be shepherd? God Himself. You know, some have said that there's connections between Mark 6 and Psalm 23. I believe there may be, but even more than that, the whole Old Testament in pointing us to God as our shepherd is teaching us as God's people, if the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He is our host who prepares a table before us, even amid our enemies. And when there's rejection and opposition, Jesus is still providing for us so that our cup overflows or so that we find that there are enough buckets of food left over for each one of his disciples to grab one. As we minister to others, Jesus doesn't call us to look to our own resources in any way. He calls us to rely on Himself. Listen, no matter how much money as a church we have, no matter how many volunteers we have, we will never have enough for all the ministry that we have to do. The problem is that we so often, like the disciples, look to what we have or don't have and try to limit what Jesus is going to do through us. You know, we're never the host when it comes to ministry. Jesus is always the host. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has immeasurable resources that are available to him. And so he can give them to us for the mission he calls us to. And so we aren't to serve in our own strength. We're to serve in the strength that God gives us. We're not to proclaim our own wisdom or opinions. We are to preach and teach as those who are bringing the very oracles of God. It means whether you're in children's ministry or youth, whether you're in a community group or a Bible study, you're serving in AV or teaching or you're working on the facility or greeting, whatever it may be. You to serve relying on your great shepherd king. The disciples didn't quite get it, as we'll see. This final section, Mark both challenges and reassures us, starting with verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. He spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. They were utterly astounded. They did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore When they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region, began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And As many as touched it were made well. Here I see our fourth truth is that you can live on mission, reassured of Jesus' availability. It's interesting and worth noting, Jesus relied on his Father in prayer, and certainly we must as well. It's in the darkness, which would have been the fourth watch of the Roman military night, so between 3 and 6 a.m., that Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water. And you know, I know that there are people who try to dismiss Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the miracle of Jesus walking on water. Listen, the explanations people come up to to try to dismiss this are, are ridiculous. No, Jesus is doing what only God can do, and he's doing this to reveal to us who he truly is. You know, the first time I read that Jesus wants to, Pass by them. My first inclination is wait a second, man, you were just compassionate with the crowds. Why are you leaving these guys? You see the way that they're struggling. Why are you just going on? But you know, as I looked into it, I think there's far more that's going on here. Jesus is passing by them because he wants to show them who he is. They have just witnessed his power and glory in feeding 5,000 families. They have just witnessed his power and glory. And so he's going to show it to them again so that they get it. And I think Mark has in mind here Job 9. Where Job tells us that God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea tells us that God does great things beyond searching out, marvelous things beyond number. And then Job adds, behold, he passes by me. I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. Just as God passed by Moses when he was in the cleft of the rock, so Jesus is passing by so that his disciples see him. And yet the problem is they don't yet get it they don't understand as they saw him dividing the loaves and passing them out they don't quite get this is none other than god almighty here and he is available to them and so it is he is available to us every time we call on him in prayer and so often though aren't we just like the disciples you know, you see God provide for you in some way of, in your life and the next trial comes along and what are you doing? Oh, God! You know, you see God work through you in ministry and, and you know, something else comes along and you're doubting and thinking, oh, no, now, now what are we going to do? I find it amazing how Jesus responds to them the same way he responds to us. Rather than harshly rebuking us, Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm available to you. Just call on me in prayer. And Jesus continues his work. And and really, this is a contrast here. The people of Nazareth and Gennesaret, just, you know, the the people of Nazareth, Jesus was hardly doing anything because they were so unbelieving. The people of Gennesaret are so believing, they're bringing people all over, and Jesus is healing all of them. Looking back over 2,000 years, Jesus has done amazing things, but if we look back to Jesus himself, he has done something far greater than feeding 5,000 He's done something far greater than walking on water. He's done something far greater than healing people of temporal diseases. You see, we were like sheep. We'd gone astray. In our sin, we were wayward, doing our own thing, walking off of cliffs and just walking around in circles. In our sin, we would have been separated from God forever. Forever. But as Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's what Jesus has done for us. He laid down his life on the cross by his own authority so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. And then he had authority. He took it back up again. And so now Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, Is bringing home all the lost sheep of God. Making us into one flock with one shepherd. Preparing for us a banquet that's far better than feeding 5,000. For trusting in Jesus this morning, we are to join Jesus, our shepherd king, on his mission. To bring home the lost sheep of God. Often it happens one-on-one as you study the Bible with someone or you tell others about Jesus or share what Christ has done for you. Maybe just inviting someone to the service and discussing the sermon with them. We are to join Jesus on this mission. Back in 2021, a lone sheep named Fiona over in Scotland fell down a ravine away from her flock and due to the treacherous conditions there along the coastline, nobody could get there to rescue her. So she lived in a cave right there in the cliffs for two years until finally five farmers all got together and they went down the ravine, got Fiona, pulled her up to safety, and then they took her and sheared off 20 pounds of tangled wool, took her to a local farm where she could be safe with other sheep. You know, Jesus scaled the cliffs for us, coming to rescue us when we were lost and dying. So we are called likewise to join him on his search and rescue mission. So even amid rejection and opposition, You can live on mission with Jesus. Shepherd King, relying on him, knowing that he can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good shepherd of the sheep. Thank you for Jesus. Father, I do pray if there are any here who have not yet been reconciled to you, that God, you would call them home today that you would call them unto Christ and that they would become part of your sheepfold. Father, for all of us, help us to see the world as you do and with compassion to love them, to care for them and to point them to Jesus. God, we do so so imperfectly. We miss so many opportunities, but we pray that you would continue to work through us in mighty ways to accomplish your great plan to seek and to save the lost. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right. Let's pray and thank God for our new members. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Remember to come and greet them afterward. Father, we thank you for these five whom you are bringing into membership. Help them to be faithful to this commitment they have made and help us to be faithful to our commitment to them. We pray, God, that your name would be made much of, that your glory would spread to the ends of the earth through us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A benediction from Hebrews 13 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will